So now the babies, we're in the third or fourth generation of babies, so they're starting to be domesticated. But you still have to be careful because they can kill you. No time for Welcome, everyone, and thank you for listening to the fifth season of Camille's Demi Hour. This is a half-hour show dedicated to sharing the Epicurean life and personal stories from Nantucket and beyond. I'll be speaking with a great mix of guests this year, from winemakers and chefs to innovative pioneers in the world of hospitality and healthy living. Thanks again for listening to the show, and cheers! Welcome. This is Camille's Demi Hour on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station. And on the show, we search out people who have extremely great talent in regards to the food and culinary world. We like to bring them into the studio and have them talk about their passions and their skills in order for you to learn more about all the amazing things that we offer here on Island. And today we have Elizabeth Hitchcock. She is the only cheesemaker on Island, and she specializes in burrata and mozzarella. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. I'm sure there are a lot of cheese lovers out there. So we're going to hear about how she makes cheese, and she's going to talk about the differences between the ones that she makes specifically. Let's start first about your relationship to the island. You've been here for over 20 years. What brought you to Nantucket? Well, we came to Nantucket um, because my husband got a job here, a caretaking job. And so 29 years ago, we moved from uh, Chelmsford, um, where we had just gotten, we were there for about six months, and we came down here for this job. And you have an Italian background, correct? I was born and raised in Italy, yes. When did the cheesemaking and passion begin? I think that started in 2012. And as it started out really as a, as a funny joke because I was working full time and I hadn't gone home to see my parents in about six years because of the recession. And I had one child who was going to college. So... Um, I basically said, wow, I don't know what I would give to really sink my teeth in a really good ball of mozzarella. (laughs) Because I tried to get it in from New York, and they got it in from Italy. It wasn't really, no, the ball was gone, pretty much. It wasn't wasn't, um, good at all. They don't last 21 days. Uh, Technically, over there, they don't. The next day, they go to the pizzeria, but that's, we're very picky about our cheeses. So... I said to my husband, well, you know, I think I'm going to try and pull in it myself. I'm just going to order some curd and do it. And he just looked at me and he said, you're joking, right? He was laughing. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm dead serious. When you have a craving, you have a craving. Yes. <laughs> little that I knew. So that's how I started. Mm-hmm. I would get a little bit of curd and I would pull it. It just didn't, you know, and I would pull and try different things and about in March, I actually was, I started out in October. In March, I actually had a ball that looked like a ball, and it was soft enough to eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first ones that I did were not very good. They were good for pizza because they had been, it, it strips really fast, all that little bit of fat that there is in cow's milk. Mm-hmm. So once you lose the fat, it's... It's going to get hard. When you say strips, the liquids fall out over time without preservation? It's because of the hot water. Mm -hmm. You have to work discarding hot water, boiling water. And so that's you let it sit in the hot water for about mm, 30 to one minute. Depends how much you're pulling, really. Um, So, And then you start working it. 
Why don't we talk about the basics of cheese? How do you define curds for those who don't know? Well, curd is the product of mixing milk to a certain temperature and then adding natural enzymes to make it become curd. And make and breaking that apart. And breaking and, that apart and, and separating it from the serum. Typically, that's just ricotta or cheese curds. So the serum is 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 taken out, and the curd is done. is is basically worked. It has to season, has to drain of all the liquid, and then they can start working it. Mm-hmm. And it becomes either mozzarella, burrata, or you know stracciatella. And those are the three products that usually come from curd. Cow's curd. Cow's Correct. curd. And so you have memories in Naples of uh, seeing cheese cheese being made is that a part of your food memory and what you're trying to achieve yeah yeah it's um it was a wonderful sight for me to go to the creamery with my mom uh, to buy fresh mozzarella buffalo mozzarella in italy they make in southern italy because this is peculiar only to southern italy northern italy doesn't have we send it up they they send it up to uh, northern italy they have creameries where they process the curd and then they they make the curd and then they make the cheese. They make a couple of things. They make pure 100% water buffalo. They make 100% cows. And they also make a type for those who are intolerant, uh, you know, that don't really tolerate the 100% water buffalo. And they mix it with cow's milk. So water buffalo milk and cow's milk. It's a mixed mm-hmm. mozzarella. So there's a lot of mozzarella on the shelves. So is there's issues with labeling. No, I think the problem with water buffaloes here in the United States, not many people raise them. And so, and then also the, what, um, the female produces only eight liters of milk a day versus what the, your regular cow that produces 28 a day. One type, the water buffalo though, renders a lot more, whereas the cow renders a little less. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is when you work it, in the hot water, if you're not careful, it will basically lose a lot of milk and ooze fat. And you will see that little bit of fat that it's vital to the ball come afloat. It's yellow, mm-hmm. clearly. What a buffalo does also ooze milk, but it takes it right back. So it's just a different type of milk it's for a very, specific mozzarella. Yes, it's two, two types of milk. Yes, very different. Uh, what a buffalo is whiter than... Cow's milk is richer in fat. It has virtually very little cholesterol, a lot less than what, you know, your regular cow milk mm-hmm. has, the whole mm-hmm. milk. And it contains better carotene, which is something that they get from eating uh, in the pasture. Mm-hmm. And they also, they you know, they're t- two totally different type of cows. Their skin is completely black. Um, they have a little bit of hair. And that's the reason why in Italy, in southern Italy, their pasture is also includes muddy areas where there's mud and water because they like to go in there. It gets really hot down south, mm-hmm. over 100 degrees. So they like to go into their the muddy skin. water yep. yeah, to protect their skin mm-hmm. from the sun and, you know, and kind of cool off. But they're very, very docile over there. So if you call the herd to come up to the milking station, they'll come just very nicely one, one by one by one, a 2,000 pound animal. Here, they're more, they haven't been domesticated yet to the point where, and it, that comes down into the line. My sister-in-law who's in California, San Francisco, has a ranch in Tomales that mm-hmm. she rents the land. She has a creamery and she has a herd of 50 animals. And those are water buffaloes. 
And she started about, oh, I want to say seven years ago. So now the babies, we're in the third or fourth generation of babies, and the babies have grown up. So they're starting to be domesticated. But you still have to be careful when they come up to the milking station because mm-hmm. they can kill you. It's with their horns, or they're just with their weight. Yeah, with you get trapped behind them, and they yeah. push you aside. They can basically crush you. Wow. Yeah. So you started making mozzarella first. Yes. And you started mastering that a bit. Yes. And then when did you dive into uh, the burrata? When I met Liliana Dagan, she owns Niantake Pasta Goddess. I met Liliana about five years ago, and she said, "Yeah, it's your mozzarella is really good, but you need to make burrata." I said, oh, my gosh. I said, you know, that's so labor-intensive. You have no idea. Oh, I know, but it's such a fine item. You mm. need to try. You go home and you make one for me. <laughs> so I went home and I said, all right, I'm going to try this. Brought it to her. She goes, yeah, it's okay, but it has to really ooze. I know what it does. <laughs> she was very funny. Um, started, it took me about a year. And so why don't you define what a burrata is versus mozzarella? A burrata is basically a hollow mozzarella that contains stracciatella. Stracciatella is nothing but um, a mozzarella that has been torn apart, broken apart, and basically gets soaked in 40% fat cream and lightly salted. Mm -hmm. So it's made fresh every day so that it it doesn't stick together because when you take it apart... Um, and you soak it in the cream, it will, if it stays in the refrigerator, it will become a standalone cheese, which is called stracciatella. Mm-hmm. And um, it will be, it, it will look a lot different. When we're making burrata, it has to be, there has to be a certain amount of cream that is liquid so that you get that loose release. The stracciatella, you, yes. Right. And you also get the cream. You you get, when you cut it, you see the cream oozing out. out. And you're listening to Elizabeth Hitchcock. She is the owner of Joya Cheese. And uh, right here on Nantucket, she's the only cheesemaker here on Nantucket. And she specializes in mozzarella, burrata, and stracciatella. And she was just talking about how she makes her burrata and mm-hmm. what makes it special. So what should the ooze ratio be? What makes a good burrata? I mean, I think all cheese is typically pretty good. So I've never had a bad burrata. But how can you be sure or how do you know when it's a really good burrata? When you have the right saltiness, when the burrata is nice and relaxed, um, right saltiness is very important inside because the cream is very, very sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have that offset is very important. So when you cut into it, it should ooze a little bit, not a lot, mm-hmm. not too much, because it is a 40% fat cream. Um, if I were to use a lower percentage, like a light cream, it wouldn't be, it would ooze a lot more, but mm-hmm. it wouldn't be as creamy. Burrata comes from the word burro. In Italian, burro means butter. So when you eat that, you put it in your mouth, you savor the, it's, it has to stick to your palate. Mm. And it does. You use the word relaxed, uh, and yes. I think that's a good definition for how it sort of sits on the plate. Yes. But it's relaxed like an organ. It's almost like this beautiful, loose um, jello ball. Some burratas have a little stiffness to them. You've explained the difference to me before, but I thought it was fascinating if you want to share that. Yeah, the difference between my product and everyone else's products, such as Belgiozo or Maple Brook, um, is that they pack it in citric acid and salty and salt. 
So they make this mix, lightly salted uh, water, where what that does is it's the citric acid. It preserves the product for 21 days. So it can live on the shelf for 21 days. Again, I make it according to tradition. So I don't pack it in salty water or citric acid in the combination of the two. Mine is super fresh. It gets packed in its own governing water. And by that, I mean that when I process something, I put it in, in a vat to cool. And that water where it cooled off gets then put into the container for retail or wholesale. And what's the lifespan? Lifespan is seven to 10 days. Seven to 10 days. And so you started selling it finally. Since you started in October, how long did it take for you to get it into grocery stores? Well, it took me another year. I was very slow into my own making or taking my wholesale license. Um, And then I, in 2013... Uh, Mark Yell, who I had met a year earlier, um, ordered some burrata for an engagement party. And it so happened that that engagement party was the engagement of Erin Zercher, which she is the executive chef at Crew. And she called me the very next day and she said, I would like to get some burrata from you. So they were the first one that I was basically producing for them. And at the time she was using 40 pieces a day. And I thought it was such a daunting task to make 40 a day. It was a lot for me. And I, you know, because in the beginning, when you're trying to shape these balls and and work them, um, you end up either breaking them or, you know, and I broke a fair amount of them. There's a lot involved into it. You have to process the curd. And so it you use boiling water at 212 degrees, right? So you have to pull it. And then you have to keep it at temperature in order for it to stay nice and soft so that you can fill it and close it. All this has to be done fast because when you put that stracciatella in there, you don't want it to start melting in contact with the hot curd. When I put that ball in my hand and I flatten it, it's smoking, literally smoking. And you're using what you have gloves on, obviously. Of course, yes. And then how long does it take for you to form the, the mozzarella ball? I go... From start to finish, when I start, once I pull the curd, to making two burrata a minute. A minute. Yeah. And then the curds are already ready to go, for example, in another pot. The curd pot. has already been, been, yeah. been processed. Pulled apart and put with the cream. And that's at what temperature? The stracciatella is at room temperature. Is at room, t- room temperature. And mm. then, but you don't want it to react to the heat of the mozzarella. So. so this is why it's done so fast. Uh-huh. Um, typically, in closing the burrata, I will drop half of it in the icy water and then Pinch the top. Pinch the top. Yes. And is that a technique that you've learned over time? or um, It's whatever from, works. It works for me. It works for you. Yes. And the the hot curds into the mozzarella, the heat will react to it? Or how is that? Well, it would react if you didn't cool it in icy water. Um, if it stayed warm or too hot, it would start melting the mozzarella oh, inside. Right. You know, the stracciatella, because that has mozzarella. I have a piece of equipment that has, it's a vat. It's double jacketed, so it has water around it and a heating element underneath it. That's where I process all my my curd. So I boil my water. I take the curd out of the refrigerator. The curd is usually at 41 degrees. I slice it. I put it into the equipment. That's If I process 10 pounds, I keep it at 130 degrees. If I process 20 pounds, I have to keep it at 140 degrees. Mm-hmm. I salt it. Then I pour the water on and... It equalizes because the curd is cold, but the water is hot. 
Mm -hmm. The vat is 130 degrees, 120 degrees. Whatever I'm processing in there will reach a point where it will be very hot. It will be smoking. Mm -hmm. It has to cook for about a minute, and then you start working it. Mm -hmm. When it becomes pearly white, then you're ready to shape either mozzarella balls or make burrata. Okay. Wow. So stracciatella, that seems to be the easiest one, and that's the one you did last. <laughs> stracciatella is not that simple. It's actually very labor-intensive as well because mm -hmm. you have to make the mozzarella first. So yeah, then when it's slightly cooler, you can then break it apart and start making your stracciatella. Okay. It's a lot. Break. All these beautiful strings come out of the mozzarella. But, you know, there's only so much I can produce in a day myself. Mm -hmm. So this year I've got people helping me mm -hmm. because more hands make more stracciatella. Believe it or not, people love stracciatella. They are looking for it left and right. And it's oh, I not love on the shelf. It. it is. I think it's almost better than I don't mozzarella even sell and burrata. It to, yeah, I don't even sell it to Bartlett's. Yeah. So because I can't make it fast enough. So fast forward, how long has it been since your first mozzarella till now? Five years. You're also in Bartlett's Farm, which is great. Yes. Where else? Is it all on online am, personal orders? No, it's all uh, a network of wholesaling. For as far as restaurants I've, in town, I have Crew, I have Galley, I have The Prime, Ventuno, Club Car, mm -hmm. Brand Point Grill, Wawinit, Sconset Market. Great Harbor Yacht Club, Nantucket Yacht Club, Nantucket Golf Club. So you're busy. <laughs> you're busy. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm a little busy. This Westmore Club. Um, you know, and I work with all these chefs that are just just, just awesome. Yeah, well, They're you have an awesome, awesome product. People. Everyone loves good cheese. So we're speaking with Elizabeth Hitchcock, the cheesemaker on island who specializes in burrata, stracciatella, and mozzarella. And she was talking about how she makes her cheese specifically and where else she is on island. But you are a small operation, again, only on Nantucket. And what are your goals for, for the future? Do you want to make it to the, the big land, as you say? Oh, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to take it over to the Cape. But that that takes an awful amount of money. And, uh, you know, you have to have a facility in order to be producing this kind of to, to go over to the America. Let's put it this way, Cape Cod. So right now, I love the fact that I'm, I'm you know, local, very local. How's your mother? Did she try your cheese? Does she approve of My yours? My mom hasn't. Yeah, she loves it. She, she loves, loves it. the idea. She thinks it's great. She always tells me, what a great idea you had. <laughs> but she hasn't, you know, she hasn't been here in about, oh, uh, probably 10 years. So hopefully next year she'll come and visit and she'll see the whole operation. Well, you uh, actually did bring some in so we can cut into one of your baratas and see for ourselves uh, what we have here. So why don't we do that before you uh, depart? There's no chance I'm not going to try some of this. So what's really cute is she also has created smaller burrata yes. balls that um, are, are almost like appetizer portions for a first course cheese right. dish. These are for the restaurants. That's mm -hmm. what they get. The three ounce size, they love it because all they have to do is put it on a plate and basically it's a one portion. They don't have to cut it. Right. See, is what I understood from chefs is they don't like to cut them because then they ooze and they, they lose just about all the liquid. By the time it goes into the plate, it's... Oh, yeah, and half the fun is cutting into it. So or... the larger one that you see, that's my retail size. That That's how Bartlett's wants it. So, I mean, I could eat one of those... <laughs> 
the full size one. Right ahead. But I, uh, but I probably should take shouldn't. it home too. But um, I'm definitely gonna just cut into this and describe sort of what happens. But sure. you can see at the top of it, it has a little um, pinch, a little pinch, and it's so beautiful and delicate. It actually looks like when you hard boil eggs, yeah, and you see the beautiful whiteness of the egg white mm-hmm. come together, and there's that delicate top that looks like shreds of um, that kind of knit yes. knitwork. Yeah. Um, and so you can push on it with, um, I just have a plastic fork and knife here, but yeah. if you push on it, it bounces back really nice. And I think that's what she's talking about is sort of that relaxed state of the outside. Yes. It has the... to be at absolute room temperature to be best enjoyed. And because the cream, again, um, cream is not very good when it's cold. So it has to be absolutely room temperature. Think of it as brie. You wouldn't eat brie cold. No. You wouldn't eat burrata cold. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So as I cut right into it, it's beautiful. It's like a little pre- <laughs> it's like a little present, a present. inside. <laughs> a little packet. Um but it, it it oozes out just enough and you can sort of see that there's just this another layer of just beautiful creamy cheese. Mm. The first thing you do is almost take a sip of cream. Mm-hmm. And then you it's almost like a process cuz you sip the cream, eat the curd and then chew on the mozzarella. Yeah. It's three bites of yummy cheese and cream in one. All in one, yes. And it's not too salty. I think it, it plays off the cream a little bit like you said. But it's so delicate. It's rich, yeah. but it's not heavy. Right. Um, that might be perhaps another way to tell when it's really fresh. But uh, it's just absolutely delicious. Well, here, you know, they usually, when a restaurant orders burrata from me, they get it. Technically, all my messages come through at night. My phone goes off like there's no tomorrow. <laughs> One message after the other, um, you know, in the height of the night. But I deliver the very next day, just a few days, a few, I'm sorry, a few hours after it was made. Oh, yeah. We weren't even sure if she was going to come in today because she goes, well, I don't know how many orders I'm going to get in the the morning. Well, actually, you owe it to the weather. It's been so cold lately (laughs) that, um, you know, I've been busy. But today I didn't have anything, which is fine. Things will get going, I'm pretty sure, next week. So one other way that you can dress this up is the simple addition of fresh sea salt and olive oil. Is that and a sort balsamic of the tr- glaze if you want to, or you can put it on a salad. You can put it in a tomato with a little bit of uh, pesto. You can uh, drop it in, um, you know, in the fall when it starts to get chilly. You can actually drop it in in a squash soup. It's just oh, that's unbelievable what it does in that squash soup. I was wondering how else you can apply it to warm dishes. Yeah. You don't put it on a plate of pasta, could you? And I've never why really not? seen that, but why yeah, Why yeah. not? Let it, sure, let yeah. it yeah. cut it open and ooze it sure. out. And What other fine Italian foods do you love or, or search out? Well, one of the things that I make that a lot of people do like is tiramisu. And I'm, I've also gotten into gelato. So oh, boy. Oh, we have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. Oh, no. Yesterday, I made a really nice batch of hazelnut gelato. A couple of days ago, actually, it was my son's birthday, and I had made the paste myself for the um, from the hazelnuts. He said, Mom, why are you going to make me some hazelnut gelato? You've got the stuff in the refrigerator. I said, okay, well, I'll make it for you. Well, we have a lot to look forward to if you're going to yeah. go in that direction. Like, cheese isn't addictive enough, but... Um, Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for being here today and sharing your incredible talent that came about from a craving. So she's a true cheese eater, let alone cheese maker. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me.
And good luck. Don't don't burn yourself. I won't. <laughs> and thank you again for listening to Camille's Demi Hour. Tune in every weekend through Labor Day on 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station, Saturday mornings at 1030 and Sundays at 1130. If you want to hear the full episode, you can find me on iTunes. Cheers. Yeah.